Well, welcome to Heart of Life today. It is good to be back with you. Um, you guys seem like in a good mood today. Everybody, everybody sounds friendly, looking good. To those of you here at Garden City, to our Adrian campus, to Lewisburg campus, um, and even to some folks who are in different parts of the world, uh, Happy New Year to everybody. It's 2020. I hope that you have enjoyed this season. And I'm excited about a new year. Because for Heart of Life, as we turn the page on another year, we want to live 2020 as though we trust and love a God who is able to do immeasurably what? More. That's our word. He's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work in us. So the question is, what if this year we could see more of Jesus together? What if this year we could see more like Jesus together? And we believe that the Bible is key to that. And so one of our goals for 2020 is to read the entire story of God together. As in the entire Bible, the whole thing, all the way through, together, all right? What would be the result if, if more than ever, Heart of Life was on the same page? And I'm not just talking about being on the same page with each other, although that is a result of, of what can happen, but I'm saying most importantly, what if we were together on the same page with the heart of God? Now, I want to start with just an honest place today of, of when you hear read the Bible through, maybe some of you are thinking something similar to the author A.J. Jacobs. Now, if you've never heard of A.J. Jacobs, he, he's not a Christian. Uh, he describes himself as a Jewish agnostic who, in his own words, is officially Jewish, but only in the way that Olive Garden is an Italian restaurant. <laughs> I like that a lot. He decided to read the Bible cover to cover and to write down every command that he could find so that he could live it out as literal as possible for a year as a journalist while living in New York City. And the book is called The Year of Living Biblically. It's exactly what he claims to try to do. Now, there, there's some hilarious examples of where that took A.J. Jacobs, all right? Uh, for example, when he got to the Levitical law and it said you can't wear mixed fabrics, well, he realizes that denim is out of the question, right? That there's no poly cotton blend shirts going on here. So he had to start wearing things similar to, to what you see in, 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 on the book cover as well as this, all right? He also read in Leviticus that you are not to trim the corners of your beard. 
He admits, I don't know what the corners of your beard exactly means. So over a year's time, he just goes full Duck Dynasty. Just lets her grow. He also learned that he should stop shaking hands with women that he suspected to be ceremonially unclean. Which in the Bible, in case you don't know that, refers to a time of the month. How A.J. Jacobs determined that deal, I am not really sure, and I don't even think I want to ask, all right? But that's what he did. And my favorite thing is he would sit in the park with a pocket full of tiny pebbles, and he would fling the tiny pebbles at people without them noticing him in order to stone adulterers. Dude wrote a book, made a lot of money. He did that for an entire year, and his wife said, if you don't cut this out, I'm going to leave you, all right? And so while it made for a great book, uh, Jacobs confessed that it nearly wrecked his marriage. Now, while I find his funny, or his story somewhat funny, I, I do, I mean, it's kind of hilarious when I read what he does, it also breaks my heart. Because I think that's how a lot of people tend to approach the Bible. But what breaks my heart even more is maybe that's why a lot of people don't approach the Bible at all. They don't read it because they're not sure what to do with it. They don't read it because it at times and places can be intimidating. And I'm saying maybe that's your story. Maybe there have been times before, maybe it was the beginning of a year when you're like, I'm going to read the Bible every day. Maybe you've even made the commitment earlier to, to read through the Bible, but, but you suddenly got to this list of bizarre commandments or you got to this gigantic genealogy and you couldn't right, pronounce any of the names and all of a sudden it just kind of fizzled out. I'm saying I get it that sometimes it kind of feels like the terms and conditions page that comes up when they want you to download a new operating system. There's just page after page of these terms and you're thinking, just show me the button so I can accept all. And you're banking on the fact that if there's something in those pages of blah, 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 that there's some nerd somewhere who's actually read it, and he's going he's gonna to blow the whistle and say, hey, you know, if there's something in there that says if you accept this new operating system, you will forfeit the birthright of your oldest child, there's some nerd that's read that and is going to tell you. And I'm saying I think that's how a lot of people approach the Bible. <laughs> and I get it. In this case... I'm your nerd. Surely you're going to tell me if there's something in there I really need to know. Well, I'll go nerd on you. There's 31,102 verses in the Bible. There's 1,663 commands in the Bible. Approximately 40 authors, three different continents, over 1,500 years write the Bible. There's 3,237 characters in the Bible. 31 of them are named Zechariah, as an example. But I'm saying in all of the numbers and all 
of the commands and all of the failures and all of the stories, what I want to bring home for us this year is that really there's just one story being told. It is the story of God. And so in the next few minutes today, I I just want to spend this, this first gathering together of why spending this next year going through the Bible is worth your time. And I want to draw your attention to a psalm. It's number 119. Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's also one gigantic poem. 22 stanzas to this poem. Each of those stanzas starts with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Each one of those stanzas has eight lines each. That means Psalm 119 has 176 verses. I'm going to teach them all to you today. Not really. You get to read it for yourself. But this psalm is written by a guy who thinks so highly of the Bible that he uses the word love to describe his affections for it. And not just once, not just twice, not just three times. In Psalm 119, he uses the word love to describe how he feels about the Bible 11 times. He uses the word delight nine times to describe the joy that the Bible, that that God's word brings to his life. He uses descriptions like God's word is honey on my lips. After a while, you're like starting to blush going, I don't know if I should be reading this. It sounds like something very personal. This is the greatest love poem written. And it's not about a girl. It's not about sunsets. It's not about Krispy Kreme. It's about the word of God. Because the writer of Psalm 119 knows what the Bible does better than anything else. Today, that's what I want to give you. You got an outline. I encourage you to use it today. Um, some of you have been really encouraging lately with just saying thanks for the outline to be able to write down some words that helps, helps me remember. Well, that's, that's its purpose. So come on, it's a new year. It's time to develop some new habits. I mean, really, you're already here. The, the piece of paper is, is there for you. It's in, in the guide that you got when you came in. Grab a pen, grab a pencil. Write something down because this is worth, not because of what I'm giving you, but because of what it is. This is worth writing it down. Here's where we start, Psalm 119, 105. Psalm 119, 105. He says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. A lamp for my feet, a light on my path. The psalmist loves God's word because it lights our path. The scriptures tell us that our default position in life is darkness. We live in a domain of darkness. And come on, even in this holiday season, this Christmas time, this happy new year, uh, many have been reminded of how dark 
this world can seem. So hard to see, so hard to know where to turn, so uncertain. At times, we can't even see two steps ahead. At times, it can make people think there's not even a next step ahead. But the Bible, it is light for our steps. Right, if you've ever been in complete darkness and, and suddenly there's light, you know how valuable the light is to, to life itself. Hope you had a good Christmas. I had a good Christmas. I thought I would share with you today one of the most unique Christmas gifts that I received. It's really tiny, fit right here. Now I have seen vehicles who have this little doodad. Um, this is the blue collar version, all right? It's the do it yourself version. But I, I have seen vehicles, cars, SUVs where, you know how when you open the door, it will shine a light on the ground where you're stepping out, okay? So not just a light that comes on in the, in the vehicle itself, but literally you open the door and it's like a beam of light that hits the ground. Well, that's what this is. And so somebody gave me, actually I'll tell you, my wife gave me this little light, I, you attach it to the car door and when it swings open, it shines a beam of light. And I just absolutely love it. Can you see it? Can you see it? Can you see it? I wore this just in case you couldn't see this because that's what it says, right? How cool is that? What a wonderful woman. I mean, really. So now when I open my car door, I get, I get to see my tiger's emblem right there on the ground. I mean, what, what, a, what a first world Christmas gift, right? How, how, how awesome is that? The point is, light really is life-giving. The Bible sheds light on our situation. It, it's, it's a guide that, that, that it, it makes sense in the darkness, illuminating the next step along the way. So here's my deal. So you're tired of conflict with people. 2019 feels like a lot, lot of conflict with people. It's the Bible. You open to Proverbs, and Proverbs is like, look, you realize that when conflict pushes in on you, one of the worst things you can do is to just shout back into that darkness, but instead there's a better way. It's called to respond gently, to respond with a kind word and watch the anger in the room dissipate. You're tired of being in the dark regarding your finances. It's like 2019 was just another one of those years where it felt like such a struggle. I'm telling you, open the pages of your Bible and there is tons of stuff in there about how to manage the resources that God has given you. How to build a budget how to be a better steward of what you have so that not only can you enjoy it instead of it being a burden, but a part of that enjoyment is even generosity. There's really no perfect moment to do this, so I'm gonna do it now. Because speaking of generosity, I, I wanna thank you, um, those of you who did that very thing in 2019, 
because as a church, God uses our generosity together to forward the mission that he's called us to. We took in this year together um, about a million eight thousand dollars, which is still about sixty thousand dollars below our budget. Okay, which means there are just some things we can't do when the money doesn't come in. We don't spend it. But honestly, that is healthier financially. I went back five years, and it's better than any of those five years. I don't know how much further back that's been, but I want to thank you for being faithful in generosity. And together, I think it is not a coincidence that God has enabled us to see churches started, to see lives changed. Thank you for being faithful and believing him. I think it is in part that more and more people read God's word and they figured it out. Look, the last place I want to cut when it comes to my finances is generosity. And it's not because if you give, God's going to give you more of that. That's not in the Bible. You read it, it's not in there. It's not about give so that he will give you a hundred times more money, right? But what you know is you don't want to risk your heart. It's like, I, I'm not going to stop when it comes to generosity because that, that's the signal. My heart really belongs to him. I really believe that this is his. I really get to be a part of seeing lives blessed. My hands are not clenched and trusting what I have in my money, but I'm trusting him. You're, you, we're reading it and believing him. His word is a light to our path. Second, verse 28. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. The psalmist loves God's word because it energizes our soul. It energizes our soul. When your soul is downcast, some of you have experienced this lately, a grief, a sorrow. Or maybe when your soul feels the entanglement of the dark habits of your heart that are hard at times to break. He says the word of God is what brings energy. The word, the word of God is what encourages you. It's what can free you. When I am caught up in the, the negative feedback loop of I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'll never be enough. But then I roll across Ephesians chapter one that declares that the power that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells in me. Wow! When I'm bogged down with anxiety and I'm stressed out and I'm not sure how I'm going to get through this next situation, and yet I roll into Philippians chapter 1 and it tells me to take it to my God because through Christ I will be able to endure whatever is in my path. When I meditate on Romans chapter 8 and the promises that nothing, 
Nothing, absolutely nothing will ever be able to separate me from the love of my God. He is always with me. I am always loved. Even when I don't feel it, I'm telling you, God uses his word to breathe life into my soul. It's why you need it. It's why you need it. Third, verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The psalmist loves God's word because it guards our heart. It guards our heart. Some of you are serious about home security. Good for you. Some of you are serious about making sure that your home is as safe as it possibly can be. You do the research, you spend the money Right? You, you, you buy the sensors or the cameras. You, you do the training to where if someone were to threaten your home, you are ready to meet that threat. You realize that the Bible paints the picture that when you fill your heart with the very words of God and then a very real enemy... He is real. He is real. And he really does lie, steal, and destroy. But when he attempts to tread on the territory in which you walk, you have something with which to stand against him. I mean, think about when Jesus squares off with the enemy in the desert after fasting for 40 days, right? You'll read this story along the way. Jesus fasts for 40 days, right? No, no food, and, and the enemy comes to him. So he's hungry, he's isolated, he's tired. Hungry, H, isolated, I, tired, T, can you remember when you're hungry, when you're isolated, when you're tired? That's when you get hit. It's when you are most susceptible. And three times the enemy comes to Jesus, trying to distract him from his calling, throw shortcuts, cutting words, lies to make him take his eyes off the prize. You know how Jesus responds? He quotes Scripture. He quotes the word of God. Now, come on, what makes you or I think that we can go a day in life without the same thing? This is why we're taking a year to get into God's word every day because we need his word in us or we will not stand. Now, there's something interesting that happens in Psalm 119 in the sense of throughout the psalm, over and over, 
he talks about how he hates people who try to live their lives apart from God. The, the psalmist will, will just, you kind of feel a, a, an anger of people who, who live apart from God's word. They don't listen to God's commands. They don't, they don't follow what he desires. And he just spends a number of verses talking about how foolish that is, how foolish sin is. But when we get to the very end of the psalm, something interesting happens. All that angst and emotional and even maybe kind of self-righteous energy. He says this in the very last verse of Psalm 119. I have strayed like a lost sheep. That's interesting. Now before, it was all about how wrong they are. They are the rebellious ones. They are the sinners against God. They are the ones who've wandered away. And all of a sudden, you get to the very last verse. And he's like, I'm the sinner. I'm the double-minded one. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. The psalmist loves God's word because it uncovers our sin. It uncovers our sin. Guys, you, you can't spend much time with God and his word without the realization that the sinner in the room is you. And every time you come to the Bible and leave with ammunition against somebody else, Okay, because some of y'all do that on Sunday too. Some of, y'all, you know, some of you show up here at a gathering and, and something is taught and you walk out of here going, man, I wish he could have heard that. I wish she could have heard that. Man, that was for them. When, when you leave God's word with, with ammunition against somebody else, can I tell you that you're reading it wrong? Because you may be reading the Bible but you have yet to let the Bible read you. The God who made all things, the God who measures the oceans in the palm of his hands, the God who spoke every star of every galaxy into place, teaches them to sing. Seriously? He needs me? Nope. He doesn't need me. I need him. And spending any amount of time reading this book is going to uncover all the ways that I do not, that I cannot measure up to his infinite, all-powerful, all-sufficient. He is Lord and master of all that has been and is now and ever will be. How can you read this and it not make you feel so small? but it's one of the things I love about the Bible. It doesn't leave you there because it doesn't leave you looking down on yourself. 
it actually gets your eyes off of you onto the one that really matters. What the Word of God does better than anything else in the world. Verse 27. Cause me to understand the way of your precepts. That I may meditate on your wonderful deeds. In, in other words, as, as the psalmist reads, as, as, he, as he writes, it, it, this, is, this is not about just some lessons. This, this, is, this is not about just some instruction, but they, they are attached to something. It's, it's your precepts. It is, it is your wonderful deeds. In, in other words, if you don't get anything else, please, please get this one. The psalmist loves God's word because it points to the word of God. He loves God's word because it points to the word of God. Now, come on, we, we've talked about this before. The Bible is not about you. <laughs> and the Bible is not about me. The, the story is not about us. Now, yes, we have purpose, and yes, we have incredible mission, but it is to declare the greatness of the one that the story is really about. Yes, there are things that we're going to learn from this book. Yes, there are things that can help us. I absolutely believe that. But please don't miss the point. The ultimate purpose is to point us to Jesus. The Bible says it's not about us. It also even clearly tells us that it's not about it itself. Yeah. These words are supernatural. It is the very breathed word of God. It sheds light on our situation. It guards our heart and our life. It uncovers and exposes our sin. But you know what the Bible can't do? It can't save you. It can't save you from sin. It, it can energize you, it can encourage you, but it can't bring you back to life. Only Jesus brings the dead back to life. Only Jesus makes all things new. And maybe you're struggling with what I'm saying here. Uh, let's just see how Jesus says it. Because there's a place in the Bible, John chapter 5, where Jesus says it this way. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. He's talking to some people who know a lot more about the Bible than I do. They know a lot more scripture, have memorized so much more than I or probably most of you would. He says, you think that by them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. He's like, you totally missed the point. 
You read the scriptures and you got a lot of knowledge and people call you smart, but you have missed the real meaning of the whole story. The story is about me. Earlier, I read to you part of the last verse. In verse 176, I want to give you a little more of that verse. He says, I have strayed like a lost sheep. But then he he brings this phrase, seek your servant. He's saying, I'm the sinner in the room. But then his next phrase is seek your servant. So I, I have strayed. So, so what now? Help me come back? No, that's not what he says. He doesn't say, I have messed up, so help me come back. He says, I have messed up. I need you to come get me. Big difference. Big difference. See, there's a way to misread the Bible that says you have strayed and now you need to reach out to God and do the best that you possibly can that if you give it all your strength, maybe he'll help you. No. When you really read the story of God, you will discover, yes, you've strayed. But it is God himself who has chosen to reach out to you. Jesus said he came to seek and to save the lost. That's what we're going to see in this series. Jesus is the hero. (laughs) Jesus is the savior. He is the one we need to fix our eyes on. And this is what the Bible does better than anything else. It points us to him. Of course, we're going to learn some lessons along the way. We are. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we're just going to at times be wowed. Like, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. Man, this is what I've needed to hear for so long. It's impossible to read it and, and not see how it lights our path and energizes our soul and guards our heart and uncovers our sin. But each week, each week, our ultimate goal is to look straight at Jesus. That's our goal. Because if we miss that, we miss life. Me teaching you 10 steps to successful life is not nearly as important as you grasping the 10,000 steps that God has taken toward you. That's what we're going to find over the course of this year. So if you're a veteran in the faith, or maybe you're just here because you're not even know if you're really ready to admit it yet, but you're just a little bit curious. I can't think of anything more beneficial than you going through A year where just simply every day we're going to read a little bit of God's word. Because if this is real, man, 
what you gain. Out in the um, foyer, I believe, at each campus, um, you would be able to find a hard copy. So this stuff's called paper, all right? There's a hard copy of the daily readings, right? So you, you could, if, you, if you, that's what you like, then you can do that. Um, uh, there are some of those that are, that are available there, and we'll keep making as many as, as we need to make, and um, we're going to follow it along. Today's the starting day. So you're like, oh, no, I didn't know. We're already five days in. I'm going to be behind. No, today is the starting day. We did it on purpose. The January the 5th would be the first day that we start to read. If we do that together, we will finish on December the 27th, right? And you'll, be, you'll already be going, Christmas is over again, all right? December 27th would be where we end. Now, for those of you who, who don't prefer this method, um, we've been telling you there is an app that we really want to encourage you to get, and this is really difficult. It's called the Read Scripture app, all right? That's confusing, all right? It's called the Read Scripture app. Here's your little icon that you're looking for. This is the emblem, so, so come on. I, I'm asking you, please go after this. Just, I mean, I don't even, like whatever reason you got, I don't know, just do, let's just, come on, try to start this together. So when you search the Read Scripture app, you're gonna see that, you're going to download the Read Scripture app. When you, let's just walk through. When you, when you get to the, um, the info page, there, right up here on the left side, you're going to see a settings button, all right? So um, it's, it's funny because my dad said to me earlier, he's like, can you help me get that set up on my phone? Yes. We'll, we'll get you, we'll get you going, right? Um, I'm saying help each other, right? Ask somebody. If, if you're not great with, with your phone, you don't know what, then ask somebody. But up on the left side, there's just a simple little settings button. Push the settings button. You're going to see a list that looks like this, and it's got a start date. Click on the start date, right? When you click on the start date, it's going to give you a scroll at the bottom. You know how you scroll through things and you can pick January, February, whatever. Pick January the 5th, 2020. And when you push go, suddenly January the 5th will become the start date for us all together. All right? If you have trouble with it, yell at us after the service today. Call us this week. What will help you get it set up? January the 5th. We'll end December 27th. Every day, what's going to happen? There's a few scriptures, a few uh, chapters for you to read. We're literally going to read through the story of God. Uh, a few of the books will be kind of moved around a little bit so that it kind of helps you get the, some of the chronological flow of how it works. There's some really cool features on there, like every new book. So when you start Genesis today, there's a video that goes with it, and they are fantastic. You just watch it, and I mean, it's not like it's this over wow thing, but you just go, oh, it kind of puts together why Genesis is where it is, how it fits in the together. It's just really well done. Little video tells you about the book, couple of chapters to read, and every day, one psalm. And the purpose in adding the one psalm is that that also gives you something to learn to pray through. 
And I'm telling you, if you don't know how to pray, or if you do know how to pray, praying through the Psalms is just a powerful, powerful exercise that I encourage you to go after in 2020. So every day, a couple of chapters, as well as a Psalm that you'll read through. So, some daily reading. I mean, this is, I, I kinda, this is kinda like what God would do in the Old Testament when he's like, every day I give you daily bread. They would go get enough for that day. If I could just convince people, this is like spiritually breathing. You, you, you need this every day. The sermons or the talks that we're gonna do each week are going to be from that week's section of scripture that we're reading so that we're staying in it together. So we'll talk on something that comes out of what, what you're reading in, in that week. And then I'm just mentioning things like life teams. Look, we give life teams the freedom. You, you study what your life team needs to study. I mean, sometimes you, you need to do, as long as it's, right, a Bible foundation, that's, a, that's, our, that's our requirement. But maybe you, it's somebody struggling with forgiveness or you're struggling with relationships or you're struggling with money. Then you can study, right, any Bible study that's, that's anchored to God's word. But a lot of life teams have started taking time during the week, getting together, and they roll back through the topic that we talk about on Sunday morning with some questions, takes it a little deeper, some struggle, hey, I don't get this, and they just work back through that. Well, how cool is it for life teams to be able to do this together? Come on, most of us just are not strong enough on our own to stay in this, stay in this, stay in this, but if together we're encouraging one another, come on, let's stay on the same page. Come on, let's, let's keep going with this. Now here's, here's just kind of a final word on this piece. Do your best to stay on the same page. What I mean by that is if you miss a day, if you miss a day, you can go back and read it if you want to, but can I just encourage you to click on today and read it and quit worrying about what you missed? Now, I realize when I say that, some of you, that just drives you crazy. It's like, I don't think I can skip a chapter. I don't, I don't think I can possibly do that. Well, that's fine. Then you do what you need to do. But for the rest of everybody in the room, seriously, you, you find yourself suddenly missing three or four days for whatever reason. Click on today and just read it. I'm saying God's going to be good with you. All right? He's going to be good with you. If you belong to Jesus, you're still getting in, all right? Just click on today and keep reading. Let's quit focusing on all the stuff that we've missed and let's get into this pattern of today, I'm gonna read what's in front of me for today. Let's get on the same page so that by seeing more of Jesus, we'll learn to see more like Jesus and we'll actually start to look like more. Jesus. So, before I let you go, I'll encourage you a little bit. Is it a good day to be a Chiefs fan or what? Good to be a day to be a Chiefs fan. Chiefs are in the playoffs. Chiefs are in the playoffs, and we're not going to lose this weekend, right? It's a beautiful thing to get to rest a little bit, 
get to play next week. The evil empire is dead, right? So it's like, I'm just kidding. Texans are coming to town. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, it's a beautiful thing to be an LSU Tiger fan. I'm just telling you, my, my Tigers are still in it. We're going to play for a national championship. I'm really trying to be at that place no matter what happens. I'm just, this has been fun. I, I watched the Clemson quarterback interviewed the other day. They interview the Clemson quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. You know what comes out of his mouth? A God who can do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine. I'm like, no! The enemy is my brother. That's what I thought. He quoted Ephesians chapter 3. He stole our more stuff. He stole it. All right? So I'm going to have a hard time if Trevor Lawrence wins. I'm going to have a hard time being sad about that deal. It's like, you go, man. He's, he, he's going to just go for the kingdom of God. I don't even know what to do with that. All right? I'm flustered after, but I'm still cheering for my team. Neither the Chiefs nor my Tigers got to where they are right now without some serious daily discipline of doing some right things, right? Most of those guys, they, they eat right, and then they do something with that fuel. They exercise right, the drills that they do, they repeat it. Now, now come on, we know that to some aspect, the same thing is true in relationships. We do. But we treat our relationship with God as though it somehow works totally different, that we can show up on Sunday for a couple of hours and then send them a few texts throughout the week, and we're going to have this big, powerful, loving, wonderful relationship with God. Come on. There's some daily bread involved in this. You got to eat right. There's some, there's some living out of this each day. But you know what? My greatest argument for trying to get you to read God's word daily is not so that you will have all the additional blessing. Now, will you have blessing? I believe so. Because I think if you read scripture and actually do it, will that make your marriage stronger? Yeah. Yeah. Will it help your finances if you actually do what the Bible says about money? Yes, it will. So do I believe there are additional blessings? Yes, I do. But the greatest argument for trying to get you to read God's word is not so that you will have additional blessings, but that you will get to know someone who is the greatest blessing.